Welcome to Raising Equity. Hopefully you've been following our series on podcasting amidst the pandemic and have followed us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and any place that you get your podcasts. I have been struck by a few things during this pandemic. And if you've listened, there are a few questions that have guided me. What am I noticing and what do I want to remember? And something that struck me as I live in Missouri, and so as things have shifted, right? So our governor and our state was late to call a stay-at-home order. Our city and our county were earlier than the state. And what I've been noticing is how the systems that govern our policies and our practices and our norms I've just been seeing how powerful they are, how powerful they are in shaping what we think is possible, what we're willing to do, what feels risky. And while I was aware that the safer at home, flatten the curve messaging was in line with my values, uh, I was aware that that's what I was choosing. I was looking at the science. That's what we should do. As things have shifted in my state and there's different powers, there's different bodies that are pushing a different agenda, that are pushing an agenda of opening things up, of being willing to take the risk of losing lives, of saying, you know what, it's not going to go away, so we might as well just open up, rather than saying, here are the conditions that we're going to create to make it safe to open up. I've been struck by how powerful, and I guess I know this, this is the whole point of raising equity, helping us see systems and understand them so that we can interrupt them and create equity. And in these moments, I'm seeing how we have an opportunity to put pressure on our systems, to create campaigns, to push back up against our systems. And in particular, this idea of a decision tree came up for me personally. And I know many people are doing their own calculations, but if you know a decision tree, it's basically a way to model, if I do this, then that will happen. So choices and our consequences and possible trajectories and branches on a tree, right? So this decision tree that different institutions are going through, different businesses, families, states, countries, right? Everyone is having to navigate their decision tree. And before this week, I felt pretty clear that my decision tree was aligned with the city's decision tree, you know, saying that we understand this risk. And so we're making this choice because we don't want this consequence, right? So they were seeing the numbers. We have not hit a point where where we don't see any increase of, or we have not hit a point where we we, yeah, where we don't have an increase in cases and morbidity. So our region was saying, let's, let's not take a chance. Let's do social distancing. Let's make sure people are only going out for essential business. And that aligned with, with what I was thinking. And then this growing push of kind of protesting, saying people's civil liberties are being trampled upon because of the stay-at-home orders, and that getting more steam and more attention has made me realize I'm going to have to decide what my decision tree is and stick to it and how that feels uh, more more risky when it 
doesn't align with where the system is moving. So I'll give an example. Our state is opening up. Our city has said its stay-in-home order will probably likely end mid-May. For reference, this is May 6, 2020. Uh, there are other states that have that have made other decisions, but that's what's going on here in Missouri. And I have to decide what I'm going to do with my children for the summer, right? I have the flexibility and the privilege of working from home. And so I could keep them at home with me. And I also think about what kind of summer is that? <laughs> like, where could I send them that they could have a summer? They have a camp that they sometimes go to that's like in a remote place uh, in the north part of the country, actually really close to Canada. And it, again, it's a privilege that I have. I've thought, well, if we drove them, right, they can't get on a plane. But if we drove them, is that something that we would be okay with? Would we, would we be willing to take that risk? Which made me think, well, if I would even consider it, which I really don't think I am, I need to know the camp's decision tree around how they're going to navigate kids coming to camp. Are they going to ask about symptoms or if anyone in the house has been exposed or how the family's been practicing social distancing? Are they going to take temperatures? How are they going to notify parents should symptoms arise in you know my child or in another child in the camp? Like what is their decision tree around managing this? I start to think about it and I feel like I, I wouldn't want the liability if I were an organization. I would just figure out as a way to have people stay away as much as possible and you know only have to come in contact for essential purposes. Uh, but then I think about other families that don't have the privilege that I do to stay at home. I think about families who need childcare because their children aren't old enough to stay at home. And so these issues around equity have have constantly been raised as we've talked about how COVID is impacting folks' lives. And I, I hope that people are remaining curious about how issues of equity are showing up rather than fatigued, um, that we should continue to wonder, how is this landing differently on folks who, who are physically disabled and who don't have the level of accessibility that we do in terms of freedom of movement and in terms of accessing the mutual aid that they need, given that there's so much of an increase of folks who who need need support and mutual aid. How is this landing on black and brown folks who are disproportionately impacted by the disease and who are having higher morbidity levels? Like these are things that we know and that we see, but I don't think that that, that awareness raising and consciousness raising is over. Like I think about, like I just said, with summer, how many of us can afford to work from home a few days and how many of us can't? How many of us don't have kids old enough to to stay at home by themselves and that requires childcare? Well, okay, how do we how do we then vet the childcare agencies and institutions that are opening up? There's just so many questions. And what I realized is that while I can think about my decision tree and I can talk with my family about what our choices might be, I think it's important to keep in mind that my decision tree needs to not just be about me that it needs to be about the greater good. It needs to be about other people as well, right? So I might not want to be in a mask while I you know, go grocery shopping, but it's for the betterment and the public health of everyone. I shouldn't assume that I don't have 
the I, that I don't have COVID, that I don't have the coronavirus, and that my my droplets are pure droplets, right? Like we need to assume that we are infected and act accordingly. I care about my parents so much that I haven't gone to see them, right? And so I think some of that is getting lost in this conversation as we open things back up about individual rights and what we feel entitled to do versus what's the public health call. And as we each move to make our own decision trees, I think it's incumbent upon us to think about issues of equity and to work towards equity uh, and to continue to to listen to the stories of disparity, as hard as it is to listen to the disparities and think about, all right, we have an opportunity to, to possibly shift things, to reopen in a way that centers the most marginalized rather than disregards or allows them to be guinea pigs or the the people that we're willing to risk seeing how things work out. The last thing I'll say is I was struck today by a conversation I had with someone actually related to work. They asked how I was doing. And I said, you know, well enough considering uh, we just had a scare. Well, yeah, with a family member who who uh, was diagnosed as positive for COVID. And it's a family member, you know, cousin that I grew up with. And he fit all the boxes for who's most at risk. And he seems to be doing okay. He's not out of the woods because as we have heard, if we're listening to people who've experienced COVID, it's not something that 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 you get over quickly. Um, one of the families that we interviewed for the series early on in the pandemic where the majority of folks in the family had COVID. Uh, one of the the woman that we talked to, uh, Lindsay Para, she is still struggling with symptoms. And that's weeks, weeks later. Anyway, I digress. I say that to say this person said, you know what? You're the first person that I've talked to that like knew someone personally that had COVID. And I thought, huh, how interesting and in a way a blessing that that I could have gone this long, that she's gone this long without talking to someone who had that personal experience. And like I could have gone that long without having a family member have that experience. And it reminded me of the work of Brian Stevenson, who talks a lot about being in proximity. So being in proximity to those who are most marginalized and how when we get out of proximity and we're not in relationship, we don't have any sense of what it's like. We're just like a fish in water. We don't know we're wet. We're in our bubble. It's hard, but necessary that we keep listening to the stories of healthcare workers, the stories of folks at the front lines who are who are caring for folks with COVID, who are seeing the symptoms, people who've experienced it. I have yet to hear a story of someone who had it, who said, uh, you know, that, oh, yeah, I mean, I would have it again, right? Like, even if their symptoms were pretty mild, it wasn't comfortable, and they lasted for a long time. And they're, and most folks who are asymptomatic don't know that they had it, so they're not able to tell us their story. And the point is, it's a crapshoot. We don't know what we don't know, and we don't know how we will be impacted. And so when people talk about opening things back up and, you know, we've got to do it sometime, I hope that we we center those who are most at risk and assume that those that are most at risk will have complications and be willing to take the risk that we're putting them in harm's way and make our decisions from that point.
right? And so I I have been pushing myself as we create our own family decision tree to think about how are we doing this in a in a way that's thinking about the collective rather than our individual well-being. And that it doesn't have to be an either or. We get everything we want, we need, and we don't think about others. So for example, I participated in the strike that happened May 1st with the Instacart, Target, Whole Foods, Amazon workers who were pushing for better pay tips, better environments for them, better better situations, circumstances. I think one of the calls for Whole Foods workers was to go straight up delivery. And I would imagine that that might make that might keep them more safe if Whole Foods was delivery only, the people who were picking up the groceries to deliver them, they could manage their safety. Fewer people in the in the store, they could wear their their um, mask and not have to contend with with shoppers who might choose to or not to. I don't know what the enforcement has been inside Whole Foods, but it made me think. You know, if that's what they're asking for, I'm willing to I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to support them in that because they're putting their lives at the, on the line in a way that I'm not. They're putting themselves at risk in the way that I'm not. And I don't mean to I don't mean to um, be dramatic because I've actually been pretty critical of the the language that that is calling this the behavior or people in positions in a way that like denotes this is wartime, like people being you know war heroes and all of that. So I, I'm resisting that a bit. And this is a public health crisis and they are, in a sense, on that front line of their daily, sometimes knowingly, interacting with people who are positive. And so I hope that we center them in our decision trees as we move and shift from the campaign of safer at home and flatten the curve to, I don't know what the next hashtag will be. We need to come up with a with a new campaign to maybe move at the speed of equity. Um, actually, that's not that's not so bad. But let me know your thoughts, how you were managing your decision trees, what you think our, our campaigns or slogans need to be as we move into what is clearly the next phase of navigating COVID-19 in the United States. Thanks for joining me on Raising Equity. Mm-hmm.